and welcome to the Bible Bitches podcast, where we talk about biblical and religious topics from a feminist comedic perspective. And I'm here with Sarah Hoff, an awesome agnostic Slytherin living in LA, California. Wait, why do I have to be a Slytherin? You told me you were a Slytherin. I don't want to be a Slytherin. I don't want to identify as a Slytherin. You took the test and you told me you were a Slytherin. I don't know why you got to call me out like that. Why is a Slytherin a bad thing? If you... They're- if you've read the new book, Sarah, you would know that Slytherins aren't all bad. Also, Severus Snape was one of the greatest Slytherins of all time. Yeah, but he also was, like, not a chill dude. He wasn't chill, but he was a hero. He was kind of like an anti-hero hero. But he was great. Okay, whatever. You get to be Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah. Suck Pretty it. Cool. <laughs> David, what are you? <laughs> our, pro- our 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 producer David just zoned out. Um, what what, what Griffin? Are you Gryffindor? Are you Slytherin? What's your Harry Potter house? What's your- are you a Hufflepuff? I feel like that means he's a Hufflepuff. That just means he's a Muggle. Oh, he's a Muggle. Yeah, that's right. He's a Muggle. Okay, that's <laughs> that means he he shouldn't be listening to our wizard conversation. Yeah, we're gonna have to um. We're going to have to take care of that afterwards. You aren't going to remember any of this, David. Okay. Um, I'm talking. Just like every day. (laughs) And I'm talking with Laura Barclay, a Baptist minister in Gryffindor, located in Louisville, Kentucky. But today she's actually with me here in the studio in L.A. It's amazing. And jump on your broomsticks because we're talking about Harry Potter and religious symbolism. Okay, I've got to tell you a funny story about when I went. So I'm a huge nerd, and I have been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter multiple times. And so, the but the very first time was right after it had opened, the one in Orlando. And I rode Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, the one that's located in the Hogwarts castle. I thought it was just a people mover, right? I didn't realize that it moved around and basically jostled you. Like, so I thought it was just, it just kind of moved you around and you saw things, right? But it, um, it's actually in a car that's attached to an arm on a track and it can rotate you like, I'm going to say like 125 degrees or something. Like it will shake you. It will move you back. You'll be on your back. You'll be, you get attacked by spiders. You get attacked by the whomping willow. You get attacked by a dragon. Some of it happens on a screen. Some of it happens with like animatronic stuff. Like spiders were squirting me with webs. I was screaming through the whole thing. And I kept saying, I kept screaming and being like, oh my God, is this real? Is this real? (laughs) Like I thought it was just going to move us. Right. I thought it was going to move us. I kept screaming to my husband. So we get off the ride. And my husband goes, I'm going to puke, but that was the greatest thing I've ever done. Let's do it again. Yeah. So if you've never been to Wizarding World of Harry Potter, it's a magical place. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any stories about Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to assume that butterbeer tastes like melted ice cream. You're not entirely wrong, but it's way better. Like there's a hint of that, but it's way better. What does it taste like? I will make you some. Does it taste, because I, I feel like it's just like sugar sludge. No, it's way better than that. It's like, it's kind of like a cream soda-ish, but like way better. But like way better. Like way better. With, but with like Werther's originals in it? Yeah. <laughs> Drink it in, Sarah. Good. <laughs> so they just, put a, they just put like a shit ton of caramel in a cream soda. And so it is sugar sludge. 
Maybe, but okay. it's amazing. Okay. You're going to want so much, and then you're going to vomit. So good. Mm, I love things that make me vomit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. my fave. So good. <laughs> um, okay, do you remember, so Harry Potter came out, like the books came out when we were just starting high school, and there was this huge controversy because it was right, it was like a boy that gets a letter, and he's going to the wizarding school, And so there was this worry, oh, my God, is it promoting witchcraft? It's promoting witchcraft. Why is it promoting Satanism? Black magic. Black magic. Also, like, that was just after. When did it come out? 1997, I think. So it was, like, really right around Satanic Panic. Yeah, it was. I I feel like it was, like, mid to late Satanic Panic. Yeah. It was was kind of, like, writing out the last bit of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you can see, I mean, like, it's not a good enough reason, but, like, you can see the the anxiety there. Yes. Yeah. Satanic panic being whenever there was this worry that there were Satanistic cults that were, like, killing people or abducting people in the 80s and 90s. And so this was, like, the tail end of that. Um, and we're, as, as we talk, you're going to realize, oh, my gosh, it's not even remotely related to that. It's actually just an adorable story. Well, here's the thing. Like, people were super chill. Nobody, like, called out fucking Tolkien. For all of that wizarding. Or C.S. Lewis for, like... The what, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah. Yeah. Walking through wardrobes into Lion Land. You know what? This is written <laughs> by a lady. Clearly it's a witch. No, nah, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually the impetus for that, is, but... Um, I think we know. I <laughs> think it is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I mean, all the kids are reading it. It's about witchcraft, and it's a lady writer... Uh, I would actually, I would actually wager that it's more about just like the cultural milieu at the time. Like, I mean, at that time, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were already like really embedded into like, you know, literature, mm-hmm. and so they were going to get a pass. Period. There are lots of books yeah. that reference some kind of fantasy world or witchcraft or whatever that. And all got passes. And who's this interloper, J.K. Yeah. Rowling? And then they get this new book. And there's already, you know, and there's already that anxiety. Yes. I mean, like, people were like, you can't play with uh, Cabbage Patch Kids. You can't watch Fern Gully. You know? <laughs> All Fern <laughs> Do you remember Gully. that? I we do. We couldn't watch... Uh, Play- oh, Captain Planet? Captain Planet. Yeah. So good. I love that. I'm pretty yeah. sure Captain Planet and Star Trek and Fern Gully made me a Democrat. <laughs> yeah. As slash Democratic Socialist. Like, yeah. Let's be honest. So, like... Um, yeah. So I think it was just that, like, it just came out at a time when people were, like, kind of looking for that thing yeah. only in pop culture, though. Right. You know? For sure. So we're going to talk about this, but it's actually a Christian allegory. Um, there's a lot Is of... Is that what she intended? She talked about, basically, she has said, hey, y'all, I'm a Christian, and but I don't like to talk about it because... Her, her exact quote is, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give that. Um, she's asked by uh, a journalist named Max Wyman of the Vancouver Sun in 2000 if she's a Christian. And she responds, yes, I am, which seems to have been the religious right far worse than if I said I thought there was no God. Every time I've been asked if I believe in God, I've said yes, because I do. But no one ever really has gone any more deeply into it than that. And I have to say, 
that does suit me because if I talk too freely about that, I think the intelligent reader, whether 10 or 60, will be able to guess what's coming in the books. Mm -hmm. And there, so there's going to be some spoilers, y'all, if, if you have not finished Harry Potter and you live in a cave, then just stop because we're going to talk about how it ends. Um, but it does make sense that she would not really talk about it a lot because there's a lot of Christian themes in her book. And it, you know, I mean, it's it's part of who you are, your religion, where you live, all that kind of stuff. And she weaves it into her narrative. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that you can enjoy it, whether or not you're a Christian or an atheist or a uh, Buddhist or whatever. There's just some universal themes here. So, yeah. Anywho, cool. let's get into it. Yes. Right. Okay. So first of all, um, if uh, you've read the books or seen the movies, um, there is uh, a point where Voldemort comes to kill Harry's parents and the curse backfires whenever um, he tries to kill Harry. It's kind of explained that his mother, Lily, her love protects him. Mm -hmm. Right. So that and that love is the greatest spell of all. And which is beautiful, right? So I kind of like to think that the mother's mother's love is kind of emblematic of like a God figure in this, that she's her love for him is what kept him alive mm -hmm. and ultimately leads to Voldemort's defeat. So if I'm going to look at a God figure in this, everybody's going to have different symbolism around this. And she doesn't really explain it, I don't think. I mean, I know now... She's kind of like being like, you know, on Twitter being like, oh, by the way, Dumbledore's gay. Oh, by the way, all this stuff. And I, I love it. Some people hate it that she's going back. And I'm just like, you know what? Do whatever you want. It's fine. Um, but that I, I tend to read whenever I read it, I think I kind of view her as this sort of um, that love as the godlike figure mm -hmm. in the story. I don't know. What do you think, Dana? Well, I mean, like just devil's advocate. Sarah hates love. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You hate love, don't you? I do, yeah. Oh, Sarah. I love to hate love, is what I love. So you still love. But I love to hate. Mm. So does that mean that I love, or does that mean that I hate? I think it means that you're Voldemort. I think probably so. But, yeah, but, so, yeah, my next step is to cut off my nose. And, um, and then, like, I don't know, be, make my skin ashen gray. Do you know what's so creepy, Sarah? My Myers-Briggs personality type is the same as Voldemort. <laughs> Myers-Briggs is so full of bullshit. Thank you. No, nobody cares about that. It's also the same as FDR. FDR wasn't Voldemort. No, his name is Teddy. Nobody named nope. Teddy that's can be. The other. <laughs> that's the other answer. That's his, like, great uncle who was the other, yeah. <laughs> but who knows? It. Who knows? You heard it here first. Maybe his nickname was also Teddy. Probably. Yes. Probably. <laughs> Franklin. Franklin, Teddy, Delano, Teddy. Roosevelt. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really F T D. Yes. R. Yeah. Um, no, but like just devil's advocate, because I don't I'm like, Harry Potter is fine. It's fine. Because you're a Slytherin. Because <laughs> I'm a Slytherin. Uh I'm only a Slytherin because I'm blonde though. Um and my Germanic roots. God damn it. Uh I mean, is that like I'm, I'm not sure that I caught into this idea, this narrative, that love is a spell, right? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a mother's love. I'm not going to have kids. But it also, I mean, like, love is work. Love is kind of a chore, right? 
But so is a spell. Like you have to put a lot of work into learning a spell into like in the in the but books. Like, but like a spell is something that you like you do like there's a clear endpoint like you do the thing and then that changes the story. Like that changes the other person, that changes the context, whatever. And then like now it's like magically done. Mhm. Whereas with like love, it's like a constant choice. It's like a thing that you have to keep doing. I would argue that love is multiple things and that like you can do acts of love. So maybe spells are acts of love. Okay. Yeah. Mayhap. So like um, when I gift you the scotch. Yeah, that's that, an act of love. I feel that, love. Am I, spelling, is, am I giving you a spell? You're giving me a spell of love. I'm giving you <laughs> I feel yes. it. I also just realized that you and I are playing different roles. I feel like you're currently uh, a a Draco Malfoy, <laughs> and I am a and I am Jenny Weasley. That's an interesting pairing, right? With I would love to hear their podcast. Yeah, I don't know, but you're like an older Draco, like so in the like in the the one that what is it the the cursed? Oh, what is I like literally just blanked. It's Harry Potter and the cursed. The Cursed Vagina. <laughs> the Cursed Vagina. And The Cursed Child. Harry <laughs> Potter and The Cursed <laughs> Child. Same diff. Um, that uh, that he's actually, like, he's kind of, re- he's totally redeemed, like, I, like in that book. Um, so you're like an adult Malfoy. That's not better. It is if you, you haven't read it, Sarah. No, I haven't. I'm just saying. I'm just. They're, they're I, so tell me, tell me how it's better. Okay. It is because so Harry is actually the like villain <laughs> and that oh. and Malfoy is the one that's like gets him to come around. So she did a whole like wicked twist. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of nice because well basically he just kind of like lives into his own bullshit of being a hero and like his son gets sorted into um, uh, Slytherin with Malfoy's son. And so they're like besties. And then they and... become lovers. Oh, ooh, I, that's a sequel sequel. Um, but like Harry's being an asshole and being like, why are you a Slytherin? Why are you friends with Malfoy? And like Malfoy's like, get it together, Harry. It's Mm. about our kids. And like they, it's great. It's actually really great. Like you come to love, like I, I come to have an appreciation for Draco after Mm. that. So anyway, that's why you're adult Draco, not child Draco. Anyway. (laughs) Thank thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, anyway. Wait, are you adult Lily or are you child Lily? No, not Lily. I'm, I'm Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Who was the one that Harry married? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Are you adult Jenny or? I'm adult Jenny. But I'm st- I still like to play Quidditch on the side and I'm still a badass. And also Agreed. she's she's like, she's also kind of giving it to Harry. Like, get it together, Harry. So it's like Harry, Harry, like, or Jenny and Draco are both like, get it together. So that's, that's you and me right now. Get All it right. together, people. Um, okay. So the next point is Harry kind of mirrors Jesus a little bit in the story. And that's where she's talking about, like, I don't really want to talk about my faith because this is where it's going. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't finished it, just get there. Um, but so Harry finds out that he has to die in order to kill Voldemort because Voldemort has split his soul like seven different ways. And part of his soul resides in Harry. And so Harry realizes he has to die in order to ultimately make Voldemort vulnerable to kill him. So he he goes and submits himself to death mm-hmm. and, and dies. Um, but 
is brought back to life because all that really ha- he once he dies once Voldemort kills him he has the choice to come back to life um, because all that needed to die was the sort of the part of the soul that was Voldemort that was inside of him so here but but I want to caveat this so he's given the choice to come back to life by Dumbledore and I'm also going to talk about what Dumbledore represents but Harry through the whole thing Harry's constantly trying to be on his, his own because he's like, I'm the only one that's going through this, like through all the books. Like he's he's trying to isolate himself. And Ron and Hermione and a bunch of other like Gryffindors and Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs are like, uh, no, you don't have to be alone, right? You don't have to be alone. You don't have to go through this by yourself. So I want to say that Harry symbolizes Jesus's journey in a way, mm. but also that she's very careful to say that it has to happen in community. Mm. He could never have done what he did on his own. And so it's it's a it's a Hermione, it's a it's a Ron, it's Luna, it's it's everybody, right, coming together to help him. So Harry and the community symbolize Jesus. That's fine. You're okay with that? I'm fine with that. Okay. I mean, like the thing with talking about any like work of fiction is that like you know, the interpretations of it are way less impactful than the interpretations of the Bible itself, because the Bible itself has had such a significant impact mm-hmm. on culture and history and all of those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so I want to be like more, uh, like what's the word careful, I guess I want to be more careful with how we interpret that and be mm-hmm. more challenging about that. But when we just talk about like a work of fiction, I mean, if we started to talk about the Bible as a work of fiction and that was in popular narrative, mm-hmm. then it would be, then yeah, like, sure, like, let's talk about all of the possibilities. But the fact that it it has so much significance and it has had so much uh, sway within our politics, within our how we view the other, within our moral codes, like, all these kinds of things. And so, you know, we talk about Harry Potter and we talk about the symbolism therein. It's not like we're talking about the Bible and the Harry Potter symbolism within that. <laughs> Sure, but can I do a yes and? Yeah. Okay, so this I think... This is improv now. Yes, <laughs> yes and. That's a shout out to Aaron Smith, our uh, artistic artistic director, mm. who uh, who is also in improv. Um, <laughs> we, I, I think that um, Harry Potter is probably, and I'm sure I'm going to get blowback for this, but some of the most important literature that's that's been written... And the in our lifetime, hmm. because I think that how literature shapes the moral imagination is super important. Like kind of how, um, like the narratives we tell ourselves, and um, and how we, um, how we sort of cast ourselves, right? So if you identify with anybody in the story, right, Harry, Luna, Ron, Hermione, whatever that you're still casting yourself in a good versus evil narrative, that you're still willing to stand up for what's right, right? You're still sort of casting yourself in this very epic kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is similar to the Bible, right? There is a very kind of parts of it are very epic uh, literature. And so I think that literature is really important to how, uh, and and movies, a different medium, right? It's, it's uh, really important to how children shape their minds mm-hmm. uh, and teenagers and adults. And so I, I actually think Harry Potter is extremely important because it's it's something that 
um, millennials and Gen Y has had shape their moral imagination. So, so what do you think it is that's like, what do you think the statements are that are being pulled out of that? Yeah, I think it's that there's there's a lot of different types of personalities um, in in Harry Potter, and that they're all they all serve a purpose, right? Like Neville is kind of Neville Longbottom is seen as this sort of like nerdy, um, just kind of doof like in the beginning right but then he becomes the person who wields the sword of Gryffindor and stands up against Voldemort like that's a I loved that like I didn't I didn't necessarily see it coming mm-hmm. I saw that he was going to play an important role because there was always this question of whether or not it was going to be Harry or him um, that was going to have to sacrifice himself because who fulfills the prophecy whatever um, but I just love the way that it happened because it was so heroic and it shows that everybody has their place in this. Everybody has their place in a narrative where you're standing up against evil and that's beautiful. And so no matter who you are, if you're reading this, if you feel like an outcast, like a Luna or a Neville that you, or a Harry, you know, who like, isn't it, let's be honest, abusive situation up until he's 11 that he is finally feels like he's included and, and is scarred from his childhood, Mm -hmm. but is literally scarred from his childhood, but still has this role to play Mm -hmm. a very important role to play. I just, I think that it's so beautiful because uh, Joanna Rowling is able to, as you know, her, uh, she, she wrote this right to tell the story to her children and, what a beautiful story to tell to children, right? To include each other, to love each other, that in, in, in all of our brokenness and all the baggage that we carry around, we, we all have a role to play in making this world a better place. Am I getting a thumbs up from the Slytherin? <laughs> I feel like if I am going to be cast as a Slytherin, then I shouldn't give any thumbs up. I should just constantly be skeptical. Okay, do you know, I so I... Um, I, I want to take that as a, as a like healthy criticism because I think, and that's the one thing that she said as she wished she had changed about the books was that Slytherin is consistently sort of cast as the, the bad guys. Right. And I like that the cursed child kind of cleans that up a little bit and it's like, uh, eh, not really. When did right? the cursed child come out? The cursed child came out, I want to say like four years ago uh-huh. and it, it's a, it's actually a play um, but the book was, so the book was the script of the play. Okay. And she was, she didn't necessarily write it, but she, she kind of like sketched out the story and then she had people like playwrights write it with her. Uh-huh. And I think it cleaned up a lot of stuff that was said about Slytherin in the yeah. original books. Like, huh. like it was like Slytherin, this is a bad era for Slytherin, <laughs> you know, like that we're, that we're taking a historical chunk out of, but like Slytherin isn't all bad mm. because cunning is useful. Right. Like you, you need to have cunning. You need to have people who who know how to do these skills in different points. And so uh, so while there are while there is Snape um, and uh, Slughorn who are good uh, Slytherins, good. No, good. I mean, I I think they I think they come out good in the end. But like but yeah, but I mean, there's um, there is an asterisk. They're like, oh, they're one. They're one of the good ones. Like, it's not like yeah. right. And uh, I think she. I think it gets cleaned up in Cursed Child. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. Like, I think I, I tend to, um, view Slytherin with a much more loving eye, um, because they get, they get a badge, they get the shaft. Because of Cursed Child or because, no, like, you no, just they in general, get, like, they, it gets cleaned up in Cursed Child. I think they get the shaft in the first, like, the first yeah, yeah, series yeah. of books. But did you, like, did you like Slytherin no. before? Yeah. No, and that sucks if you get, like, if you get sorted into Slytherin, yeah. it's kind of like, well... Only douchebags get sorted into Right, Slytherin. and that's not true. It's like, uh, pledging a fraternity. Yeah. You're just automatically a douche. Yeah. Yeah. David knows about that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He knows all about that. He was a, he was a... Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a fraternity. Um, Tau. Just, just say random Greek letters. Tau, like Alpha, Chi. beta, theta. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the one. That's the one he was in. Um, okay. So the next, the next uh, sort of symbolism, there's two more things I want to talk about. One is, is Dumbledore. I don't think, uh, I think that some people could be like, oh, maybe he's this kind of distant God figure. I don't think so. I, I kind of, uh, after Half-Blood Prince and um, uh, the Deathly Hallows, I sort of viewed him as death. The Dumbledore symbolizes death. And here's why. Are you wondering, Sarah? I am so I'm so You're ready on for the this. Edge of your seat right now. Edge of my seat. Okay, so I'm about to fall off. You you just fall right off that. <laughs> um, so whenever he dies, he like leaves in his will gifts, right? He so he originally gives the cloak of invisibility, right, to um, to Harry, mm-hmm. right, and we find find out that he was buried with the Elder Wand. And also that he had been at one point in possession of the Resurrection Stone um, and was or was actively looking for it. And so I view him as the master of death. And he um, became death right at the point where, so Harry dies. And when he dies, who's the one person he sees? Dumbledore, mm-hmm. who's already dead. And they talk about what, you know, about what just happened, about whether or not he should go back. So Dumbledore is cast as distant, as angry, as friendly, as fatherly, as something, as somebody that can be wise, as somebody that's teaching something. So I kind of think that he's death because you can project so much onto him because he's this distant kind of figure, but he's not terrifying. And the point of, so I'm going to just go ahead and, and go into this, um, the Deathly Hallows is one of the most beautiful stories. I've actually got the tattoo on my shoulder. <laughs> I she am does. kind of obsessed with the Deathly Hallows. I'll vouch. You know, the story of three brothers, um, and uh, the first one um, uses the Elder Wand to be the most powerful, and he gets killed, and they take the Elder Wand from him. The second one uses the Resurrection Stone um, to revive the corpse of a wife, and um, he goes mad. The third one uses the Cloak of Invisibility to hide from death and then meets him as a friend at the end, mm-hmm. right? That's what Harry does. Harry use, Harry had the Cloak of Invisibility through the entire time he was at Hogwarts, and at the end, he meets death, a.k.a. Dumbledore, as a friend whenever he dies um, and then comes back to life. So I, I kind of love it mm-hmm. because uh, death becomes something not to be afraid of in the end um, because there are worse things than death. And one of those worst things is fascism and tyranny that you sort of see whenever, um, if you're a fan of the movies, I think it's portrayed very well 
Um, and also, I mean, of course, the books, obviously the books. But um, the, the the cinematography between um, Deathly Hallows 1 and 2, one, it's very, like, gray, right? It's very, like, this is clearly, uh, you know, Third Reich era. You know, we're, go- uh-huh. we're hunting down um, any people who have mixed... Um, wizard or muggle blood mm-hmm. right together. And so I just, I kind of love how they do that with the cinema, cinematography so well. Um, but it kind of conveys this whole thing that there are just worse things than death. And that's a kind of a beautiful thing to mm-hmm. teach children, right? Yeah. To not be afraid of it, that they're, that it, the really the scary thing is, you know, fascism and hatred and those are so much worse. Mm-hmm. especially if, you know, again, this is a story that's told about, you know, these children who have kind of gone through trauma. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful thing for children to be able to read as these, you know, children who survive trauma that do great things and how children might be processing trauma um, to really read that. So that's beautiful. That is a beautiful interpretation. That's how I look at it. <laughs> how do you, what do you think, Sierra? You know, I never really got that into Harry Potter. I read the books. I watched all the movies. Okay, good. But like, it never, it never like spoke to me on that kind of level. Yeah. Um, what was what what like fictional like sort of young adult series really sang to you? Sang to your heart song. <laughs> um, you know, I really liked Margaret Atwood's Oryx and Craig series. Ooh. Okay. Um, I mean, that's only a three parter. It's an it's an easy read, and like. I'm so upset. Like, this guy that I dated for, like, a hot minute borrowed two of my books, and now I'm like, I want them back, but I also don't want to, like, hit him up for them. So after we finish this podcast, we're going to go... We're going to go track down my books. We're going to go track down your books. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I think that's fair. Different things speak to different people. Yeah. That's that's why we have a variety of literature. Yeah. And it's not... I mean, like, that that world-building or, like, that mythology is way less intense than Harry Potter for sure, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Harry Potter is its own world entirely. Right. And like I'm not against a world building. I like sure. that. Yeah, I don't hear you as being like Harry Potter sex. I just hear you as being like, you know, it's cool, but yeah. like it wasn't like my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, it just didn't like it just didn't like speak to me on that level. Um I mean, other books have where you're just like, wow, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Um But you know, also like I never read them more than once and I think that you know I don't appreciate like I am not looking for those things on the surface like I'm just like I want to get like the first read through or the first viewing or whatever is just about like getting the plot Mm -hmm. like understanding the plot and then like if I feel compelled to go back and rewatch or reread that's when I'm looking for more like I don't know, for more symbolism, for more, you know. Right. You're not like, and that wasn't something that you felt compelled to like read multiple times to glean the symbolism from. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Yeah. Um, well, for those of you who are giant Potterheads like myself, I'm sure we left out a whole lot of things, but, um, I want to hear from you all what, what you all love, what you all, uh, just treasured about this universe. And, Lastly, I want to say that something that she said in an interview once, um, unless you think that this is just a Christian universe, this is, I mean, you know, she's, she 
is a Christian person, a very progressive Christian person, um, but she wanted to be very inclusive in writing these. And she said, quote, I think you can see that in the books, of course, Hogwarts is a multi-faith school. So it's not meant to be super, like, exclusive. So that's what I kind of love about this universe. Um, and I know that there has been some controversy on Twitter about her retweeting some stuff. And I don't know if you've seen this, Sarah, mm -mm. from TERFs, um, which is like, fem uh, I, I can't, I never can't, I think it's trans exclusionaries, something feminists. Okay. I can never, radical feminists. I think uh -huh. trans exclusionary radical feminists maybe. Huh. Um, so very like feminist people who would call themselves feminists that don't accept trans women. Right. Um, and she's retweeted some stuff from them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think there's a big debate going on right now as to, um, among Potterheads who are wondering what she thinks about that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that regardless of where you fall on that, I think we can take someone's, um, someone's works and interpret them and like how I how I view what she's written is that hey you know what everyone is included at Hogwarts mm -hmm. everyone has a place in Hogwarts and that's the point and you know what and once you write something and you put it on the ethos it's everybody's it's everybody's to interpret and that's how I interpret it yeah so, that's what yeah. I got everybody's included at Hogwarts we love everyone. We love everyone. Unless you're an asshole and you hate people. Like, like I don't not love you, but just, like, do some work. Yeah. We especially love David. Yes, David. Aww. Aww. <laughs> 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 All right, y'all. If you found us and you're like, how the hell did I get here? You can find us again on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can also contact us, tell us what you think about Harry Potter or anything else at Bible Bitches on Twitter or our Bible Bitches fan page on Facebook. And we also want to give a huge shout out to our host, Engaged Gaze, G-A-Z-E. Um, they do a lot of good work writing about um, resisting this administration um, and a lot of awesome current events. Uh, we want to say thank you to them. Yeah, and also a big shout out to Yo Eves, um, Miss Eves, and her handle on Twitter is Yo Eves, and she does her intro and outro music, and she's fucking awesome. And of course, like Aaron at Aaron Doodles on Twitter, who does our artwork, and we love him dearly. Um, and I don't think have I missed anything? No, I think we've got got it all. all. We so, love you guys. Yes, love you. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.